Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where three hair whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBT politics, pop culture, and growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms Bot- up. All right. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so this is our first episode. Um, how are you guys feeling about that? I'm excited. I'm yeah. truly excited. I've been wanting to do a podcast, but never even started to do it. So I'm glad you approached me and now I'm here. So, yes. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity as well. My goal in life is to be a reality TV star at the age of 50. So this is just a stepping stone to that. Thank you, Cornell, for making me <laughs> Oh my god, that was funny. <laughs> um, all right, so like, I mean, how are folks? Uh, how are folks been doing this week? What's going on? What's new? What's what's happening in life? All the things. Where do like, we start? I'm black, gay, living in America. Life is life is great. Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not that great. Um, but I'm grateful regardless. I'm doing so much. I'm seeing things manifest every day, things that I've hoped for and prayed for. So I can't I can't lie and say I'm not grateful. Okay. Nice. How are you then, um, Glenroy? My first week back, because really the week that just passed is my first week back at work in Jamaica, um, fresh off my scholarship run in the UK. And I just had to jump right in the deep end, trainings, meetings, it's all been crazy, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad glad to be back at my stomping ground doing what I love, which is LGBTQ advocacy. And I'm about to have another long week ahead of me, but I'm excited. All right. Lots of stuff. I love it. And you, Cornell? Um, I've been good, actually. Um, I'm back at school. Uh, Teaching is still exhausting, but that's okay. I, yeah, I recently started... Um, a few new activities this year, which I'm super excited about. So I'm in ballet class, which is like a lot more fun than I expected. Um, and I'm doing uh, a contemporary class as well. So it's been a good time. Mm. It's been good. Wait, have you always danced? No, so this is a, a brand new, so, okay. I'm trying to do this whole thing about like joy and seizing the day and doing stuff that okay. I wanted to do, but never had the time or the the energy or the kind of drive to do. So um, I signed up, I impulsively signed up for a ballet and a contemporary class, adult class. And um, ah. it's been really good. Yeah. I want to be like, Girl, day for two of us. I am Dancing is that one thing I wish I had done long ago. You better do it. Cornell no had the dancer no body, though. He had the, the dancer body, and he had the leg. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm glad the image is finally um, catching up. Like, I'm, I'm glad he, he's finally catching up. Finally. You are too kind. Um, and I mean, I'm actually even considering signing up for an adult gymnastics class at one point, but at some point, but I'm, I'm pacing myself. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if we, if we get there. All right, so shall we tell the people what we're going to be talking about today? Yes. So today's episode is called Fresh Fish. So we're going to give you a rundown of Fresh Fish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we're going to be doing a rundown of 
what we're going to be talking about throughout the entire um, first season. Um, he said, hopefully, because, yes, we're going to have season. <laughs> um, <laughs> all the topics that we want to look at throughout this first season. But then after that, we're going to be talking about all the firsts or different kinds of firsts that we've had. So first boyfriends, first sexual experiences, my favorite, first crushes, <laughs> friends, uh, first gay parties, and the first time acknowledging who we are. So that's a great way of getting to know us, getting to know this podcast, and setting the trend for what's to come. Mm, exciting times. Okay, so I have a question. Who do you think came into the life first? <laughs> Is that a question? Kareem, he came out of the womb ready. <laughs> uh, I came out the womb like this. I don't know. <laughs> From the vagina to the studio. I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know. Who? <laughs> of all the queens, who's the queeniest? <laughs> Kareem, I mean, is that a question? I just started in heels. You have oh, okay. I have a scar on my ankle right here, and I'm looking at it and touching it right now. That came from um, me wearing one of my mom's heels to the store, um, and a dog started what? barking. Uh, there was a dog barking, and I started to run. And while I was running, I twisted my ankle and scraped my knees against the asphalt. So now I have a scar to remind me of my first time being chased in heels. And how wow. old were you? Um, I'm, I was still in primary school, so I wasn't, and I definitely wasn't in the sixth grade yet, so this had to be at around age 10 or something like that. And there you have it, folks. Kareem <laughs> was the original. <laughs> All right. I think I think Kareem takes that one for sure. Uh, okay. So I guess, I mean, actually, I'm an, I'm an, I'm, Maybe we start with like the big stuff. So first, sexual experience, first time doing the do, doing the okay, you know, Can getting in sex first because everyone has a different definition. Some people don't think it's like a hundred percent sex unless there is penetration of a, the nether region. So what are we talking about? You know what? Let's let's do first kiss. Um, first time being you know, physically intimate, and we can leave that as a broad kind of category. And then we can think about, like, you know, full-on, penetrative, um, you know, sexual experience. Yeah, how's that? Sure. I mean, my memories are lazy. What have I done to myself? Oh, first kiss. I actually don't remember that, if it's the person I think it is. Someone else mm. going... <laughs> I need to search my memory bag. Um, okay. I mean, I, I can't recall my first kiss either, but um, I, 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 okay. I don't know if you'd call this a sexual experience necessarily, but I remember in prep school, um, on the days we wore like our uniforms for PE or whatever, um, I remember in second grade, there was this thing that we always used to do at lunch where we're like pulling each, each other, each other's pants down. Um, I mean, I guess it's not, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not that sexual at all, actually. <laughs> was it Maybe a little bit, but it was, a, it was a good time. Was it for you? Because 
maybe I mean more out of it than the other boys did. Sorry? Maybe you got more out of it than the other boys did. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Okay. Actually, I do remember. You did? There was a time in grade four or grade five, I, there was another boy at school that I kissed, but it was... It was kind of like an accident. I think he ended up like walking into me and already lips touched. Um, so I don't know if I count or not. But yes, that would have been my first kiss with another guy. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. If we're counting those kind of early year stuff that isn't, that doesn't, I mean, if we're going to count those kinds of things, then I have to go all the way back to basic school and the boy next door. Oh, okay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yes, that. Okay. Right? Does that mean I win then? Because my mom was the first. Or that doesn't count. Wait, what? If what doesn't count? I'm saying that. Does that mean I'm the first then? Or or is it still Kareem? It might be you. Wait, what were you doing in basic school? Kissing the boy next door. Stress. Okay, you know. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, I don't count. I mean, if I'm going to be very honest, when I think about my first experience, I'm thinking about um, my first boyfriend, because that's the person that I, I kind of, felt certain kind of strong emotions for and at the time I was 17 and mm-hmm. um, I mean lots of drama there because then that's what my parents found out about that's a whole other story for another episode uh, but yeah I mean that was the person that I first you know kissed in that kind of real way you know allowed myself to be vulnerable with them in a certain kind of ways and opened up myself to them so yes I think 17 was my real first Everything else was just experimentation, preparing me for that. Okay, so like, how did you and your first boyfriend meet? Uh, well, he, we went to the same school, actually. So uh, there was this trip that I went on. I had no business going on, to be quite honest, but um, a teacher had organized a trip with her students. I was cool with the teacher because... Um, they, I had been working with her throughout the year, and and then she had this uh, trip, this trip to what's it, what's it, this water slide place. What, what's it called again? I don't remember. But there's one in in Hanover, so we went there, and he was on the trip. He he wasn't even her student either. He was just a friend of one of her students. Anyways, I saw him. I liked him. And I reached out to him on Facebook, and then we started flirting. Um, and then the next thing, next thing is the next thing, and. There was coitus. Oh, coitus. <laughs> Facebook. And that was, your first, that was your first time? Yeah. And, you know, funny enough, most people will be surprised at this because uh, I'm a flaming queen and people have all sorts of gender expectations. But my first time, I talked. Yeah. I'm trying so hard to act surprised right now. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was my first. And I think I count that as first. That's the first BF, first sexual experience. Um, it wrapped up in one, so I did two for two. Someone else's turn. All right, Kareem, go for it. Um, my first, what were we doing? My first boyfriend and my first experience. Um, both, I guess. Yeah. My first boyfriend. I was sixteen years old. Um, how did we meet? At that time, I don't remember what website was hot back then. We met on the yellow pages, just to say. <laughs> <laughs> on the yellow pages is what we'll call the apps <laughs> all those eight Adam for Adams and grinders and everything we'll call them the yellow pages yellow page. we met on the yellow pages and um yeah I, I, I didn't even like use my 
correct name back then. Uh, let's not say what name I used because just in case, <laughs> <laughs> just in case, out there still looking for him. Right. Um. But yeah, we met. Um. We did a cute nine months. Ooh. Mtek Mamin. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was cute while well, it lasted. So wait, how old is he? Huh? How old is he? I'm telling him I did 19. He told me he was 19. He was not. <laughs> I was two months his senior. So I was oh. a cougar before I even knew who cougar was. Girl. <laughs> but I'm my fault. A big man made it once. <laughs> wow. You were a cougar even then, right? Okay. Right. I see you. Uh, was he tall? He was. See, that's how they put He was. I can see that. Well. And he said all the right things, and mm-hmm. I know it. I was taking, I was a, I take a taxi, got money, I'd pop my lunch money. Hey, no matter what, no beat me. Your room quivered in anticipation. I live. Oh, Lord. I take taxi, pop my lunch money. Mm? Before I'm going to pay my extra lesson outside. Shameful. Record. And you, Corinne, what were, who was your first and um, first sexual Um. Wow. Okay. So my first boyfriend, I guess, was when I was sixteen or seventeen. I think he was. I mean, he was in the. I remember I him. <laughs> um. Wait. Hold up. I'm sorry. Where you find time for one? I mean, people use the yellow pages. Like, these are, you know, the ways that you, you, you meet people in the day. Nope. Uh, but no, I was living this a bit of a, I mean, you know how, like, they have these, like, kind of, like, fantasies with people who are, like, you know, the postal workers or the construction workers? I was living the whole army fantasy, and it was... Oh, honey, uh, army wife. Aww. Yeah, I was into it. Uh, here's a good time. How uh, yes. I'm sorry. How long did it last? Oh wow, uh, a year and a bit, I think. Ooh. Because I was in, I was in sixth form. Before. I remember we met when I was in fifth form, and we were still seeing each other when I was in sixth form. So at some point during, you know, sixth form, we broke up. Um, and how we're still friends. He? How old? Yeah, who was he at the time? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Confirming your truth, sis. Wow, he was, you know, at an age that I am not yet. As you know, I am not yet at that age, and that is all. See, tenor. I'm gonna say. See, tenor. What do you think about that? You won't incriminate him. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, and then I guess my first, I guess main sexual experience. Um, was with when did that happen? Three years ago? Four? I mean, relatively recently. I feel like uh, most of the the people I know started much earlier than I did. Uh, well, lad. What? So in some sorry. What? Yeah. As the resident ghetto girl, but confused. You said your first sexual experience was four years ago. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like full on sexual penetration wait, type stuff. So wait, that do? Leading up to four years ago. These are good questions. Okay, so here's the thing, right? I lived a pretty, you know, sheltered upbringing, and I was not allowed to go many places. Okay. Uh, and when I left Jamaica for school, I my undergrad was in a town that was, 
you know, predominantly white, very small, and people were not checking for me at all. I see. So it, it took a hot minute. Damn. I mean, I, I fooled around with like other people, um, but I, yeah, it didn't go anywhere beyond that. You know, actually, speaking of, the first time, and I mean, I've told other times this, but the first time I felt like actually deeply uh, sexually desired was when I went to New York in, I think it was 2013, when I visited Kareem. We went out to a club in New York and another friend of mine was with us. We went to this club and there was like one guy who there who was really into me. And so we were making out for a bit, but then he got a bit clingy and then we left for another club. And then this other guy wanted to make out on the dance floor. And I was like, people want to like make out. It's like they want to make out with, with me. Am I, am I an attractive person? This is great. I'm not familiar with eating at all. So Aww. yeah, that's, sign of the kind of circumstances and conditions that I was living in Oh, wow. at that time. Yeah. Huh. Did not see that coming. Handsome young fellow like yourself. Interesting. I mean, people have different tastes. Yeah, but could I get it? It's not very nice. You could I get it? But that's a different thing. That's in my communion. Correct. I can't have a out there in the struggle and don't help them. God wouldn't look favorable on me. But I regret. So since we're talking about yeah, since we're talking about when you first felt desired, um, uh, I think maybe this is a good opportunity to probably talk about the first time you acknowledged your queerness. Like when was that for you, queerness? For me, yeah. So I think it was around probably between first form and second form. So that would be grade seven or grade eight for the folks who aren't familiar with the Caribbean system. Uh, so I mean, here's a problem. I mean, I've I've had conversations with other people about this, but it was difficult because I never had a language for what like being gay or being queer was at the time. And so I remember in prep school, there were guys I went to school with who were like trying to date all the girls in the class or trying to be all up with the kissing and the touching and stuff. And I was like, I have zero interest. I don't care. I'm not into it. I'm not, I was like, maybe my hormones haven't kicked in yet like but they're kicking eventually like who the hell knows and I mean even in 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 first form that was how I felt like there were guys in my class who were talking about oh you know they've had sex they've done this whatever and I was like I have zero interest or or care in any of this and so a friend of mine was talking about I mean I guess we were we were talking about like people that we liked or were fond of or whatever and I remember him using the word like frenny to describe this person and it was like this really weird moment where I was like this you don't mean friend in the typical sense right you mean friend or you mean you're, you're, you're gesturing to something else and so I adopted the language and I was just like oh you know like so-and-so is my friendy which I guess was my way of saying that this is someone that I have oppression I guess and then he was like that's my friendy too and I was like absolutely the fuck not um <laughs> And so that was kind of opportunity for us to be like, oh, like, you know, you are interested in guys in this way. And I guess that moment of, you know, recognizing my own queerness was also, I guess, I guess that is the same example would be how I met my first, I guess, explicitly gay friend at the time in high school, I guess, to combine those two categories. Uh, what about you, Daniel? Um, Well, so my first... So my first acknowledgement really 
um, when I was maybe 15, 15 at the time, actually. So I, and I guess it does tie to my first crush when I think about it. Because for me, I, I didn't have a struggle at all. Like others had, I think, once I came to the realization that what I was feeling for this person who was a catfish, now that I think about it, but that's not what matters. I saw a body and I liked it. And, um, and, and it made sense that, no, but I do like this person and I am attracted to this person. So I guess this means that this is who I am. And I had no issue accepting that this guy and this guy that I, that before him, I had not looked at guys in a particular kind of way, but having seen him, it, it, it awakened the fact that I am interested in guys. So I was like 15, 16 and yeah, ever since then, I think at that time I said, okay, I'm interested in guys, but I may also be interested in girls, me flipping a coin. Um, but I later realized that that was not true because I'd never had any kind of interest in women in the way I'd been interested um, in that guy and all the other guys that um, I became interested in after. So yeah, it's funny how these things are connected. Your, I guess your first crush kind of makes you realize who you are for some, maybe not everyone. Right. Kareem? I think for me it was, um, I didn't really have the language, but I knew I always had an attraction, right? I didn't know. I just knew that the attraction wasn't something that I was supposed to talk about because it was shunned. I didn't really tell people, but I knew I had an attraction to to other boys. Um, I started messing around with other boys. I was kissing Dalios. Needed, I, I wanted to play the mother, and I still wanted some other dude to play the father. So I knew these things, but I think the very first time I was able to put a label to it was in high school. Um, and without going too much into that story... One of our friends came out, and then after that, it was like a domino effect. Everybody else just started coming out, and I was just like, oh, this is what this is. Oh, I'm gay. Okay. <laughs> Me's a bouncy <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Say it with your chest. Me a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and I think that was when, and that was what, second form? So I was about 14, maybe, 13, 14. Um, yeah. That was uh, the first time I was able to like put a, a, a label to it. Um, and then that just led to a whole nother world of chaos and beautifulness. But you know what? I, okay, so I feel like that bring, brings up a really interesting point, which we might get into either later or in a different episode entirely. But I feel like it's weird how even when we don't have conversations, like explicit conversations with our friends about uh, our sexuality, we somehow gravitate to each yeah, to one, one another that's exactly regardless. And mean even that's what you have. That's what you call yeah. the energy. <laughs> that is your <laughs> episode. But energy is that thing. It drives. Uh, <laughs> but I'm thinking even if it's a situation where you only have these conversations years down the line, it is I mean it, it's interesting for me to see like how even at that point you have established a kind of bond based on this, I don't know, sense of kinship or recognition that you haven't fully defined or don't understand even. Yeah, it's a, it's a special kind right. of knowing, more note of intuition. that, And, and it's so interesting because now um, me and a lot of my friends uh, from a certain period are reconnecting in the recognition that at that time, we um and a lot of us are queer and we're and we're now recognizing that 
that's what that was. It's just that we never called it for what it was. And but that's kind of what drew us together. And e- I remember even when, because what had happened was I was older to my parents and I almost did not continue high school. And so some of my friends at high school did find out. Um, and it was later that they told me that they had known about it and whatever. So my first quote unquote gay friend or the person that, yeah, I guess first gay that I kind of acknowledge, we acknowledged to each other who we were, was someone I had known for years. Um, but we never knew each other on that basis. And once we had kind of just laid it all out and said, so, okay, you knew about this. This is what it was. It really then opened up a different kind of depth within our friendship. And they actually took me to my first gay party, um, which for me was within... Oh, child, I am so sorry. That's okay. Oh. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, where, where, did, where was I? So uh, you got cut off when you were talking about a friend who introduced you or was introducing you to your first gay party. Right. That was the last thing you got. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, that was a pivotal moment for me because especially for us in the Jamaican queer context where we don't have fixed LGBT spaces like clubs and bars and things like that, the queer the queer party space is our introduction to the community. It's the first place most of us go to understand that there's a, there's a queer um, reality in Jamaica beyond us and us on our few circle of friends. And it was through him that I kind of got introduced to that world. So, you know, our friendship really got even more heightened as a result of that because he kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes, giving me the rules about the community rules, which I still implement in my house today with all of my crazy kids and all of that. So, um, like, I'm, I'm thinking, all it's so funny how all of these firsts are connected because if it wasn't for my first boyfriend who I had my first sexual experience with, then I would not have unfortunately gone through what I got I had gone through. But then that kind of created the context for my, me and my friend to kind of come out to each other. And then I have the kind of bond that we... So, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay, so I think this is a useful opportunity then to think about our first introductions to the queer seeker as well. Well, I mean, but maybe not even Jamaica specifically, but anywhere. Because I was about to ask if you were in the Jamaicans. See, that's the thing. I feel like I can only recall attending one party shortly before I left for school. And I didn't really, I mean, yeah, I didn't really meet anyone. I went there with some friends and that was a book and I mean I've heard about the kinds of parties that happen in a variety of locations but I feel like my real my first real introduction to the the LGBTQ scene I guess was when I came to Canada um and I think there wasn't really a strong you know queer scene in the town where I went to school so I can't count that really but I had friends who were living in Toronto at the time and I remember the first time I think the first time was when I went to this like gay house party and it was just a house full of you know gay black men like packed house and everyone was just like okay one of the the things I, I I enjoy the most is being at a party it's packed and people are just like like bodies touching bodies not like groping or whatever but like proximity like to other black queer folks is such a gift and it's like a certain kind of energy um that you can't that is like hard to find, I think, sometimes in, at least within Jamaican context anyway. So that was like a really major thing for me to know that there are like large numbers of other black gay men all over the place. Um, but you know what? And so that was, 
up. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to for me, though, is because I think you talk about something that's really critical, the difference between uh, finding your finding your community in the diaspora as opposed to finding your community uh, in Jamaica, because it, it's like there are two layers to it. I think when you're in the diaspora, you have to find the queer spaces. And then you realize the queer spaces aren't necessarily for you in a particular kind of way when you're a black queer person. And then you have to mm-hmm. find those queer spaces that will resonate. And so for me, having found queer spaces in Jamaica and evolving to the point where those are the spaces I live for and it was my truest, most queerest self. When I was living in the diaspora for a year in London, it was I I, I had to claw and find those black queer spaces because the, the the general queer spaces they could only do so much and no more for me. And uh, and to be quite yeah. honest, they did very little in a lot of a lot of times. And people don't necessarily get how critical it is to find those house parties, to find those one-off um, club nights that cater to black queer um, people. And then our experience of queerness is stunted if queerness means ignoring our blackness. Mm. I mean, okay, I for sure want to have a conversation about some point generally about like queer spaces gay culture and like how fucked it is in terms of you know conversations around um like race inclusion body there's a lot there's like hella shit going on there that i think might be useful for us to think about not only as like black queer folks um but like specifically you know this kind of relationship between uh, I guess as immigrants or like people of the, the diaspora as it were, but maybe we can bookmark that for, you know, a later conversation. But yeah. Kareem, yeah, how do you feel about, what are your thoughts? My first introduction to the queer scene, I don't remember the yeah. exact moment, yeah, but you just put on an accent, I know though. for, huh? Did you just put on an accent though? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, my first introduction to the black queer. <laughs> like, yes, do it, sis, do it. I was like, I was real profound. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my first, I don't remember that my very first part that I went to, but I remember a few moments that were really like, aha, I can do this. This is where I belong. Yay, there are people like me. Awesome. And as much as it was terrifying sometimes walking into those spaces, it was also very affirming and it was also very, it felt very safe and it felt like home. So I forgot the name of this club that was in Halfway Tree, but that was my, like my very first party. That's where I f- saw my first, like the trans girls and the drag queens and so on. Um, but the space that really sticks out now where I was able to like really fellowship was, I don't know if you guys remember this, um, the Oasis. Mm-hmm. There's a spot called the Oasis. I remember I had my membership up. I could go out and come as I please. Really I felt like queen because the Oasis closed before I truly entered the seat. So if you know Oasis, bitch, you. Oh, honey, yes. Child, I had a good old going away after party at the Oasis when I was moving to America. Girl. Yeah, we went. I remember, corner we went out for dinner, and then we, I think we went by the Oasis. It was all of us in this, like this, um, in that minivan. We went to the Oasis, and then afterwards we went back to my house. It was, yeah, Oasis was a whole vibe. It was nice. It was a, whole, a bar. It was a lounge type setting. It was very like undergroundish, speakeasy type. Like you know, you had to know the nose. The you, you know, you had to know people to 
know where it's at, how to get it. I mean, it's kind of like that for all the parties, but you know, it, it was one of those like really affirming spaces where you could go and just like literally let your hair down and just be. And um, I feel what you guys say about finding spaces like that here that affirm not just your queerness, but also your blackness. Because when I first came here, um, I mean, I'm just for the folks like where here is for you at this point oh i'm sorry here is in the united states of america uh, <laughs> <laughs> foreign aka foreign and um yeah manhattan was like these clubs that were like really that were predominantly white and it wasn't until you started making contact and establish connections with those other um jamaicans that are already living here that have already scoped out places they'll be like no don't not go to say i want to come out langston's and a brooklyn and that's how you started going to those spaces that you could hear a one drop you could hear um oh my god that's a shinsi but shinsi never come out yet um spice lady i'm ready for that show time ray ray and you know just getting the element and talk the things that man and i think yes queen like it, it was it was it was different and you could sense the different um but that's for a whole nother episode i feel like we could oof, so many things we could talk about hmm. but i think it's good to give a people of the uh, the people an overview of what we're doing because i'd love for them to i'd love for as much as it is about us these three stunning queens <laughs> these gorgeous beings honey these energies these vibes these moves as much as it is it is about us i think it's more importantly um about the people that will listen and the following that we hope to 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 create and so i don't know i think it's how do we figure out getting a forum where they could list the topics that they want to talk about and the concerns and if we don't know it um we'll get somebody who knows it and somebody who could talk about it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we can use social media to kind of try to get a sense of what folks are interested in, but it might be useful to kind of explain, I guess, what the whole, I guess, premise or point of the the whole podcast is about, right? So one of the things that we've been talking about is how there isn't really a lot of, how do I say this? No one's really having sustained conversation really about the experience of LGBTQ folks within the Caribbean context. And so we're hoping in part that this podcast is a space for us to like have some of those conversations because there are some really interesting conversations and shifts and movements uh, that are taking place right now. Uh, And I mean, part of it too is like having a space for like explicitly and specifically like black queer people to talk about the stuff that matter to their lives um because so much because i mean i find with some of the podcasts i listen to it's either you know talking about black issues as it were or talking about like lgbtq issues and you know there isn't often a lot of conversation about what the ex- what the experiences of folks who occupy both of that, those identities. So that's one of the things that uh, I'm hoping the 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 podcast does. Like, what were you thinking for some of that stuff? I think um, on my end, it was just well, not just on my end, but I think it's very important to tell our own stories, and this gives us the platform to do that. And we're not saying that our experiences are entirely different from what other podcasts are saying, but there's some unique and distinct nuances and some levels that 
I think are like beautiful and are worthy of being told. And so when you brought the idea, Cornell, it was just like, oh, hell yeah. Like, yes, yes, we need this. We need our own space. We need our own talk show. Um, here I go, talk show. We need our own. Uh, our own I mean, I don't um, I mean, it might happen, right? Hey. Right, you know, manifest, hello. <laughs> we need uh-huh. our own, and I think it's important to tell our own stories and to control our own narratives and affirm ourselves and encourage ourselves and most importantly, just to be ourselves in this space and just let everybody know that we're here. We're just, you know, we're just as fabulous. Here, here. Uh, Glenor, are you there? Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, we were just like talking about our kind of like hopes for the the podcast. Like, you know, what is your kind of I don't know intention or goal? As- I mean, please. I mean, for me, it's it's just really important that this queer voice, this queer Caribbean voice, um, is 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 available for many people to hear. I think one of my most touching experiences while I was. I was in the diaspora, um, was being able to connect with other people um, in the diaspora, especially um, especially um, people in the Jamaican diaspora who are like second, third generation, who have an image of Jamaica that is based in what their parents experience, what their grandparents experience. And I have a theory that diaspora communities tend to be a bit more homophobic because they left their countries they have a crystallized image of what their culture is and they fight so hard to retain that culture within the context of uh, metropoles which seek to, to rip away um, your cultural identity that they end up doubling down on homophobia. And the impact of that is that those people out uh, in the diaspora, those young queer people in the diaspora, feel like they can't engage in their culture and be queer at the same time. And so for me, being able to show that you could and that as somebody from the Caribbean living in Jamaica and visibly queer, having a, having a, bla- a blast, living my best life, I want people to know that it's possible. And so for me, it's adding my voice to topical issues, kicking with people that I've always respected from afar and up close, and showing people that it is it is possible to be queer from the Caribbean. And yeah, it's to trying to arrive. So I think. Okay, you know. Okay, so that, that's that's actually. Go ahead. And like, I, I want to jumpstart my, my reality TV career. So there's also that. Okay. So actually, so as we move into a kind of like, kind of overview of some of the highlights or like some of the stuff that we're hoping to talk about in future episodes, uh, you brought up something that I actually do want to talk about at some point, but I, I forgot to put on our list, but the kind of, you know, Caribbean versus like diaspora uh, relations, because I remember when I first came to Canada, um, my whole thing was I need to get the head out of Jamaica. I need to avoid Jamaican people at all costs because I had certain kinds of assumptions about the kind of homophobia that I would experience, um, you know, among Jamaican people. And it's been interesting to see how, you know, folks' responses differ. So, yeah, in some ways there is a kind of uh, classification, if you will, of, like, values um, by Jamaicans who have been living abroad for, you know, decades and so on in terms of how they feel. Uh, and whereas I thought that living abroad would mean that people are, you know, quote-unquote more open about certain issues, uh, that hasn't always 
been the case. But on the flip side, I've also been like pleasantly surprised by the kinds of, you know, shifts and thinking that have been taking place in Jamaica so much so that, you know, I find myself, you know, pushing back against people that I've met since who are like, oh, you know, Jamaica is this kind of place or is super homophobic or like this kind of way. And I was like, you weren't paying attention to the to the stuff that's going on in Jamaica right now, right? There are all of these different kinds of changes and possibilities and discussions and events that are taking place that didn't exist before. So we can't be perpetuating this, you know, this notion that like all Jamaicans feel a certain type of way about, you know, queer people. So, I mean, those are some things that I'm looking forward to speaking more about at length. Um, are there kind of like other big stuff for y'all on your episode list? Yeah, for me, yeah. Uh, definitely a discussion of queerness and dance. Hall. That's something I, I, I enjoy talking about. I, th- I think particularly for queer Jamaicans, we are most visibly queer in dancehall spaces because that's when we break all the rules of gender. And, and I mean, to the extent that dancehall itself, I believe it's fundamentally queer. I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. I'm also interested in, in the discussions of social support and social cues within the LGBT community. Um, Potentially because, you know, I get to talk about my house and my children and all the drama that come with that. But also because uh, truly it's our ability to support each other within the community and to provide those safety, those those bubbles and those safe spaces that allow us to get through some of the worst experiences we are oftentimes faced with. And I think it's great to highlight that. And that's that shows how much we're surviving and we're thriving and living our best lives here. So definitely want to talk about that and um looking forward to brimstone um brimstone and fire you know the discussion about queerness and spirituality um because even though i'm not religious and i'm not spiritual at all i have mad respect for people who are able to reconcile both their queerness and their spirituality and i think it's something that's not often talked about particularly in queer mainstream media mainstream queer media yeah no for real for sure um i think i'm mostly i'm i'm really interested to talk about that as well um the whole queerness and spiritual and spirituality piece because i didn't at one point i didn't really feel like both could coexist um and coexist in harmony and i had to do my own work and you know confront my own myself on multiple levels in order to get to a place where i can you know the people, the Bible-beating Christians and those, the Jesus freaks, I love to call them, who love coming at me and telling me that this is wrong and this is that I have answers for them and I have, you know, I could I could stand my ground. Um, I really want to talk about our ancestors. I think that's, it's very, it's it's good to pay homage to those who allow us to to be our full selves, right? Who who endured the lashes and the beating, Um the 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 ridicule so that people like me could walk around in four inches or higher and just not have to worry about much you know um to show up as my entire self and giving me the access that i have so that's one conversation i'm looking forward to having and um there's so many one some other ones on here that i really want to have too so like the he she because i've i've heard that name so much people refer to the he she the she male the the mama man um 
you know, all because I had a flick in my wrist and I didn't sag, but the flick in my wrist was was a problem and it didn't give me as much respect and I really wanted to, to talk about that. I think that that's something that I'm looking forward to. Plus I'm looking forward to hearing what my what the what the what the, the listeners want to hear. Because my foot my, my ready for PM is glued on. <laughs> What's your issue, Carla? Carla, Carla, can you hear me? Y'all are Y'all are crazy. Okay. Oh, and yes, I also want to talk about wearing four inch heels. So, like, we should also book. Oh, I think it's on here, but and if it's not, I think it's on here though. But I would love to hear about because I think the, one of our commonalities is that we all went to all boys school, and that was an experience. Yeah. Good old Kiki and a discussion yeah. about how it through and how we are now and critically mm. for because i have a pet project that i want to be work i'm going to be working on soon is are we in those alumni associations and if we're not why like what happened to hey okay listen yes below yes. we shall be talking yes yes okay so there's a conversation about something that happened really recently <laughs> that i would love for us to talk about so yes. I'd love us to unpack that. Indeed, indeed. So if we are allowed and prepared to have that conversation, you know, that is that is something that I think um will be quite productive and generative. But like stay tuned for that one. I am ready. Portis Queen, I am ready. So yes, (laughs) our movement hashtag. Yes, it has been fish tea. A good old Kiki with three fabulous queens from Jamaica. We hope that we were able to give you food for thought, good old discussion, well-seasoned tea, because you know we don't do that fresh th- that fresh stuff, um, and come back for more. We have a lovely list of things to talk about. So see you next time, and stay sophisticated. Yes. <laughs>